Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. This is the extended edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. We are taking you all the way till 3 o'clock today when we'll pass the mic off to the great Jeff Kaplan, who will get you home safe and smart on a getaway Friday. Uh, next Tuesday is Election Day in Utah, and most of the attention has been focused on the Salt Lake City mayor's race, as it often is the uh, center point in these off-off-year elections. And uh, we thought we would break that down a little bit and see where we are. And uh, so we called our, our good friend, former minority leader in the House, Frank Pignanelli. Frank, how are you doing today? I'm here in uh, Las Vegas, which is even hotter than Salt Lake. But oh. I love the heat. <laughs> but it's a dry heat, right? <laughs> it, it's a dry heat. <laughs> my body that yeah well before before you melt on the sidewalk there we appreciate you sneaking some time for us uh we want to look at this uh, salt lake city mayor's race and there's some some interesting nuances there uh that are going on but again this is one of those we always tell people how important it is to vote and most people think presidential election or governor's race uh, but often it's these mayors and these uh, city and county council races that really impact our our lives the most well, that's exactly right. You think about when you get up in the day and you you, know, you turn the water on, uh, you, you, you take the garbage out, you, you pull out of your driveway, you know, in the street. Almost everything you do from the moment you wake up to you go to bed is oftentimes determined by the municipal government in the city you live in. A lot of people think Utah is a rural state. We all think we are. We're not. Ninety percent <laughs> of Utahns live in a city. That's right. It's one of the most urbanized states in the country. And so city elections are very, very, very important. Oftentimes the margins are so small. So when people don't care about it, it's, it's frustrating because, if anything, this is where stuff happens on a, on a daily basis. It's sure, certainly not in Washington, D.C. Yeah, that is yeah, that is for sure. Well, let's take a look at the uh, Salt Lake mayor's race. It's, uh, again, a, a, a big field. You've got eight official candidates, I guess, in there. And uh, we, we had some polling come out, a little correction in the polling, uh, but didn't seem to really move the numbers uh, a whole lot, which does show you just how hard polling is these days. Uh, but let's look at those those top three in particular. Uh, you have uh, Jim DeBacchus, uh you have Luz Escamilla and uh, Aaron Mendenhall. Give us a little breakdown there and then we'll look at the rest of the candidates. Well, there's no one surprised about DeBacchus. You know, he served uh, uh, in the state Senate. Uh, Democratic Party chair. He has a very flamboyant personality. He's always out there in the media. Over the years, he's developed a major network among progressives. And so it just should be no surprise that he is in the lead. He's well-known and he's well-organized. And he touches all the base on left wing. So let me just stop for a minute and remind people, uh, Salt Lake City is unlike the rest of the state. And a lot of people who live outside the city try to impose what they think is happening in their city. 
Salt Lake City is Berkeley East. It is very, very left-wing, and you have to uh, really take care of relationships with a lot of different special interest groups that normally don't have much SWAT outside the city. And so DeBac has done that, so have some of the other candidates. Yeah, so DeBac is, a, DeBac is uh, it, it, basically what the politicals are saying. It's who, who comes out against DeBac is basically mm-hmm. what it is. Is it going to be Mendenhall? Is it going, uh, you know, going to be Ludes? Is it going to be Penfold or any, any of the others? And the margins really between, between them are going to be small. So that's why, again, why your vote counts, because mm-hmm. they are going to be small between them all. Yeah, it, it it will be uh, super tight there, uh, and it will be interesting too because uh, six of the eight uh, candidates are are at least self identified as as Democrats, uh, and so that makes it kind of an interesting thing. And in terms of engaging all the people, and you talk about it being a very close race, uh, what are some of the key things that you you see needing to be uh, needing to happen uh, over the closing days of this race to to for someone to eke it out? Well, it really is. You look at, like, see, for example, you look at the 2007 race, and you had a bunch of people in there that were well-financed. And the reason why why Ralph Becker won is because he focused on his legislative district. He didn't, you know, raise a lot of money. He just made sure the people who liked him got out. Because he, said, you know, all he, all he, he knew at that time that all he had to do was come out against the, the identified Republican, in this case was Dave Bueller, and that he could pick up all the, the left votes. In this case, you don't have anyone that really is identifying right of center. So they're all kind of fighting for the same pie, which means you got some Republican votes out there. You might be able to go attract those in the primary. But so it really is going to be, you're, you're, I mean, get out the votes always important. It is extraordinarily important to, to identify who's voting it. Because it may come down, the difference between second, third, and fourth may be only, you know, less than 100 votes between Wow. Uh, so far, the voter turnout now may pick up, but, you know, according to Sherry Swenson, the county clerk, it's, it's pretty low right now. It's about 17%. Yeah. So Tobacco's has taken a chunk out. So it's you, you really have to go. With, and the thing about the mail-in voting, which is advantage, is that you can track on a daily basis who has sent in their ballot and who hasn't. And so the smart, the smart campaigns, they're, they're already calling away right now saying, please mail in your ballot, please mail in your ballot. Yeah. If you're just joining us, we have Frank Piganelli on the line with us, a Democratic strategist and a former minority leader in the House uh, here in the great state of Utah, one of the great political thinkers in the in the state. Uh, and, too kind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got just about a minute left, Frank, and, and I want to hit, uh, you, you kind of alluded to this, uh, it's kind of the shoe leather stuff. This is strategy, structure, and a, a lot of discipline uh, if the difference for that second slot, and again, it's uh, it's nonpartisan, so uh, there's no qualifiers there. It's just the top two vote getters move on. Uh, what do you see in terms of that strategy, structure, discipline, shoe leather kind of campaigns? Are you seeing or sensing anything out there? Well, what I'm picking up is Tobacco is, is he he knows he's in. I mean, he may have some some volunteers out there. I'm picking up several campaigns. They're banging away on the email, but but look at all the studies and all my experience. And you know, I teach a class in campaign management. Nothing is more effective than door to door. Those campaigns that are going door to door to make sure people know who they are and turning out the vote—that's what's going to prevail. You know, and I know Penfold's got a pretty good uh, structure there. The avenues, Mendenhall's working her district pretty hard. Lewis is, is working the west side. That's really what it's going to take. Wow. And what's very interesting—you can raise. You look at you look at the past. Five or six election cycles, especially the primary, money has very little to do with it. It's all about the shoe leather. Okay, fantastic. Frank, thanks so much for uh, carving out some time for us from a very hot 
Nevada, <laughs> down in Las Vegas. Come back to the state safely. We need we need you here. Well, bless you for saying so. Have a great weekend. <laughs> All right, thanks, Frank. Hey, Frank Frank Piganelli uh, joining us today. Uh, always appreciate his insight. Uh, again, he teaches a, a class on campaign strategy, uh, and he's he is one of the best thinkers on that in the state. So. A lot of work to be done over the next few days for those uh, candidates for mayor right here in Salt Lake City and a host of others that we hope you're looking at. Uh, many of you have gotten your mail-in ballots. Uh, take a look. These things matter. They impact your daily life. All right, time to step aside. When we come back, uh, we're going to go back to a little bit of fun. We'll talk a little bit more about the Iowa State Fair. 22 out of 24 presidential candidates are in Iowa today. We'll also get to your text. Uh, stay with us. This is Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.